right. Praise God. So good to be here with you guys tonight. Um, my name is Travis, and I may have, I know I've met a um, handful of you guys, but many in the room that I don't know, but uh, I'm, the, I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch, and, uh, and I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity to be with you. Uh, for those of you who don't know much about me, um, we... Uh, we moved to Arizona 11 years ago and uh, had with a, a dream in our heart to see a church planted coming out of a, 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 a movement or a family of churches uh, that, that has a call to, to plant churches both in the nations of the earth uh, as well as here in, in this nation. And, uh, and the ones that are planted here all, all kind of carry that same DNA and heart. Man, we wanna, we wanna plant churches and we wanna see the gospel go forth. We wanna see uh, those that have have not had the opportunity to hear the good news of the Savior, Jesus Christ, to, to have the opportunity to know him. And so, man, that, that is our heart, and that heart comes from a place of, um, of, of being known by him, uh, falling more in love with him, and then uh, from, uh, deriving or, or coming upon this passion for Jesus, which I know is what you guys have been talking about over the last several weeks, this, this passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. And uh, when I, I have long been drawn to people that, that exhibit passion, and uh, passion can be exhibited in different ways. I think often we think of the, you know, the loud person or the very excitable person, and, uh, and certainly there is a zeal that is demonstrated in those ways, but really people that carry a passion uh, carry a conviction, a conviction that might look different according to personality. It might look different uh, in the same person or same personality in different seasons of their lives, depending on what's going on in their circumstances. Um, but it is something that is magnetic. It, it is something that, that uh, impacts or it makes an impression upon those around them, whether it's loud and vocal or, or whether it's, it's, it's more quiet but, but firm and resolute, you know, or anything in between. There, we are... We we're all, I think, drawn to people that have a passion for, for something, you know, and wh whatever it may be. Uh, in fact, you, you know, sometimes you, you look, sometimes you may think, man, they're, they're crazy or they're, I don't, they're, they're kind of out there. But, but also you kind of want to know what is it that drives them? What is it that makes them so excited? What is it that makes them so resolute? And so for us as the people of God... There is no other singular thing that we want to, uh, to uh, have a, a life pursuit of when it comes to what is the, the substance of our, of our passion or the, the substance of, of the, the, the zeal that we carry or the devotion or resoluteness than the person of Jesus. And, and so that, that just gets it real simple. And that also, that also keeps it, uh, the, the foundation really strong. When, when Jesus alone be, becomes the sin of our passion, because there's a lot of things that uh, within Christendom, uh, within the theological realm that we can get passionate about, and there's different uh, people that will carry different passions. That's not wrong to carry different passions in, in on the theological landscape or the, uh, the, the philosophy of ministry landscape or, or even in the, the secular workplace, the, a passion for engineering, a passion for medicine, and, and God giving the, you those passions. So I'm not negating other passions, but as a follower of Christ, 
the, the central passion, the, the passion that drives every other uh, maybe lowercase passion has to be at the very center, Jesus. It's what keeps everything else on track, even the, the great the, theological things or, or ministry callings or uh, you know, just passions in life, the things that, that keep it on the rails, that keep it from going sideways ultimately is, is Jesus. It, 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 is, it is Jesus and, and him alone. And, uh, and, and Jesus, you know, you can take any of those things. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is at the center of all things. He, he, he died on the cross. That, that, that is the crux of, of all of uh, history. Not, not only Christendom uh, or, or biblical history, but of all history, right? And so he is at the center of it all, and so, uh, and, and not only that, do we? Not only do I say that out of a a a, a biblical conviction of Christ being at the center and Christ being the one who mu- who deserves our passion, our devotion, our resolution, but but I say it out out of a place of of friendship with Jesus, you know, and and these are some of the things I think you guys have been talking about these last few weeks. We we say that. Um, not only out of a, a conviction because of what, what the, the Bible declares of who he is and what his work on the cross accomplished and, and so on and so forth, but be, because of friendship, because there is no one in friendship and relationship that compares to who he is. Like, there's just no one that compares. There, there, there's no one that, that sticks by your side like Jesus. There's no one who has words of life and encouragement for you like Jesus. There is no one who has made a way for you like Jesus. There, there, is, there is no one like him as, as Savior, friend, Lord. There's no one. And so, man, it is, it is right in every way for us to, to grow in our desire to have a passion for Jesus. And there, there are ways that, 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 um, that, that we, we, we grow that passion. Again, we've been talking about spending time in his presence. We've been talking about being a people that receive his love. He's the one that first loved us. That's even what gets us excited in the first place. That's where that passion is born. And, and so, and today, I wanna talk in, in some ways about the, the, the long game, okay? So the, the, the fact that uh, the, the passion uh, can, can come on us really quickly, uh, but yet we are human, and that means we can also be very fickle. That, that means we can be passionate about one thing one moment and the next thing the next moment, right? So, so the, the, and, and we, we see that. That's not, uh, that. that's not news to any of us. We, we see it even in, in Christian leaders and different people who, who end up like, man, how did, how did you get there? You know, how, how did you get there? And there may still be a love for Jesus or even a passion for Jesus at one level, but how do we kind of in that way make it for the long haul with, with a passion where it's not a flash in the pan, where it's not like, man, I, I, you know, I used, to, I used to think like you did or I used to kind of walk with Jesus in that way, but man, I kind of, I've kind of grown up or um, I, I got jaded by this thing or that thing a, along the way. And, um, and so, so today I wanna talk a little bit about that. And, and there was kind of a picture, that's why I had him get, put the board up here um, that, that, that came to my mind that I just wanted to draw up here, kind of more of a shape, not really a picture, but, uh, but it's, it's kind of just this, this idea, if I can do it here, 
where, um, and, and you know, there, there's different passages of scripture that maybe would reflect an image like this, like a, like a narrow road, a, a narrowing. And, and, and so I think when we, you know, when we come to Christ and, and specifically thinking about a, developing a passion for him, uh, there, there is a, 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 a wide, broad excitement for running after him and, and this and that. Uh, can I come back to that later? Can I come back to you later on that? Yeah, that's right. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about. There's this road that kind of nar- that, that narrows. When we come and we develop this passion for Jesus, it's, it's exactly what I'm talking about. So it begins to narrow. And, um, and, so, and, and in that, it's a good test or development. Is black gonna be easier to see? Yes? Great, thank you. Um, I'll go over it in black here. So, so um, here we go. Perfect. Okay, so um, so there, and in that, there is a, a natural progression of um, even when you think about like a like a youthful zeal, or uh, and that's something to, to to fight for that you guys aren't in that season yet. But to how do you how do I keep my zeal for the Lord? Uh, I re- I remember hearing. Oh, I just lost her name. Not Ann Graham Lotz. What's the other like Bible teacher woman who does all the Beth Moore? Thank you. Thank you, um, Beth Moore. Um, I remember hearing her when I was in college, and, and she is a firecracker, that, that woman. But she, I don't know, was probably like my age at that time when, when, uh, when I was in college. And I just remember her talking about fighting to remain passionate for Jesus. And I'm like, man, I, that, that's what I want. I want, I want to have uh, a, a passion, uh, with, you know, Older and older I get that the passion actually only increases, which would maybe be the opposite of what people would think, um, but actually should be the norm, right? Like the more I know of him, the longer I've had to walk with him, why would my passion not only increase? But it's something you gotta fight for through, through the struggles of life. But I think tonight, is, is what we're talking about is the, is the road that's walked out um, in, in that narrowing uh, of, of life. And we're gonna come back to this a little bit, but I just kinda wanted to say this, this is kind of where we're going because it's can our passion remain when when the narrowing comes when it gets difficult when there are challenges or, or when there are seasons where, where, you know, elongated seasons where we, we feel a little lackadaisical or apathetic or things aren't going our way or, uh, or you know, what, whatever may happen along the way where we get heartbroken, we get disappointed about things. And, and what does it look like to continue to, to see a passion for him develop through it, different iterations and seasons of life that bring different struggles that bring different challenges and cause us to uh, ultimately, um, I think that the intention of God or the, the, the heart of God would be for us to find new aspects of his character as we go through any one of those trials. That we'd be like, man, I, I, knew, that, I knew that he was loving, but now I, I know I, I know it, like I know, I know that, that the way that he's loved me. And so, so I'm getting off track here a little bit, but there's this, there's this narrowing, okay? So, I wanna, I actually, this, this is a little bit of a flip for you guys in the back. I wanna start with the, the, the last passage of scripture that I thought I was gonna end with, and it's in Hebrews chapter 12. And, and we're not gonna spend a lot of time here. I wanna get to our, our main passage in just a moment. But wow, I could, I, I could talk about this passage um, 
all the time and probably do too much. But Hebrews chapter, but I don't think I have in front of you, so I was like, I'll take every opportunity to talk about this passage. Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three. So um, Hebrews chapter 12, believe it or not, it's coming out of Hebrews chapter 11, and that's the hall, the, the, what's often called the hall of faith, right? So that's the, uh, a long list of, of biblical characters who uh, they are talking about their faith and how they, they, they lived for God. And, um, and so then it says, therefore, since there's all these people and we're just thinking about all these people that have, that have laid their lives down even for the kingdom of God. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by these, this great cloud of witnesses, those that have gone before us and laid their life down for the kingdom, since we're surrounded by the, the, this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So this is a great passage to think about the, uh, the, the, the course of life and how do I remain or even increase in my passion for Jesus over the, the course of, of a lifetime. And, and anytime you get kind of a race analogy, you begin to think about that, that, that uh, endurance because certainly we know that life is not a sprint, it is a marathon. It is, it is, it is something that we want to run and to endure and to, in the end, finish strong. And so, um, so we think about this race and there, there's two bars that are set. The, the one bar that's set is, is, is to give get rid of the sin that so easily entangles, okay? Um, but I, but I want to say this about that bar. Uh, this, that's, that's the low bar, okay? If we have a, a low bar, kind of high bar thing, um, the, the sin and getting, getting free of sin, that, that's the low bar in terms of what is the most difficult in this race that we are called to run. And, and that might seem like bad news, like, oh, man, like I'm, I'm just struggling to, to, to get through, get this sin out of my life, to get these patterns out of my life. And, and it is, that, that's a fight. That, there's a struggle. That's why it's part of the, the training for this race uh, or, or how we're going to, to run with perseverance. That's how we're gonna stay on the race that's marked out for us. And uh, it's by throwing off the sin that so easily entangles and trips us up and, uh, and, and causes pain. And, and so, so that, but that is kind of the given Right, that, that's something that you, you, you all stepped in here and you, you knew that, like, right? We're trying to, to overcome sin. We know that Jesus has overcome sin, that there is a, there is a pathway for us to walk in freedom and, and yet there is this, uh, and, and yet there's, there's a struggle. There's a, there's a daily struggle. There's a daily bringing it to Jesus and we're believing for freedom. We're walking in accountability and all those things. So it, it is real and yet at the same time, it is the low bar in this passage because it says not only to do away with sin that so easily entangles, to throw off the sin that so easily entangles, but actually also to throw off everything that hinders Okay, so, so again, so now this is the, maybe the, the second level um, that this isn't talking about sin. We've already addressed sin. We're gonna throw off the sin that so easily entangles, but also, you know, e this is everything else, right? <laughs> everything else uh, that, that, would it, that would entangle. And, and so sometimes that's, that's some gray areas. That's um, um, how, am I, how am I spending my time? Am I, how, what, what a, you know, just different things uh, re relationally or, or, or otherwise that, that just, this is it's slowing me down. 
And, and this is not a, a legalistic thing because it's not even, it's not necessarily a, a, a black and white scriptural thing. It's not something in itself to get tripped up over where we're like beating ourselves up in our mind, like, oh, am I, am I not supposed to? And we end up kind of getting frozen anyway. It's just like with a heart that comes before God, that knows the heart of God, who is a good, patient father. He doesn't want you to get frozen, doesn't want you to be paranoid about how you're running, not running, all those kind of things. He is loving, he is patient, and, yet, and, and at the same time, he's not giving up on you and he's calling you forward, he's calling you higher. And, and, but, but what I would say about this is that there, as you walk with God, becomes a place where you begin to recognize, like, wow, that's, it's actually, that is not helping me in my pursuit of Jesus in the race that he's called for me to run, this thing in my life, and, and, and to start judging things, you know, that's a, that's a sign of maturity where we're going beyond like, is it sin or not sin? Like, okay, great, it's not sin, so I'm, I'm okay. And it's actually another, another level, right, to not be like, okay, is it sin or not sin, but is it, is it helpful in my pursuit of Jesus or not helpful in my pursuit of Jesus? If I do it, it may not be sin, but is it helpful in my, in my pursuit of having a passion for Jesus all the days of my life? The, the very center thing that I want to, to base my life on, is it helpful in that or not? And, and so in, in, uh, in, in immaturity, uh, you know, or in a, in a growing place of maturity, there, there's a process like, well, not really, but I really wanna do it. You know, but I really, I really want to do it. And, and God is gracious and he's merciful and, and we are all on a journey, but this is where we want to move to. This is what we want to realize is it goes beyond just sin or not sin. And hopefully we're dealing with that and we're getting freedom and we're growing in the, in the grace of God to overcome sin and to live in freedom and uh, live as you know, slaves of righteousness to Christ. But, but uh, beyond that, it then goes to like, man, this isn't even, this isn't helpful for what my aim is. And so I wanna do away with that. And, and, uh, and, and so that's, that's what we wanna run after um, because it comes in our heart. It's not something that anybody is trying to put on you. It doesn't work. You know, when it becomes religious, when somebody says, you know, or you see everybody else doing like, oh, wow, we're, we're living narrowly here. Like, it, it's gotta be something that, that comes from, from, from within in, in your own pursuit of, of the Lord, your own relationship with him. But, but man, what a beautiful picture of, of the narrowing. Because uh, sometimes it's, it's Jesus that's narrowing you, maybe through, through circumstances or different things where you're just feeling the refinement of God. You know, the, the, the invitation to humility, which is also always kind of a narrowing. You know, being humbled is not always fun. That's why I always try to choose to humble myself before I have to be humbled. That's, it's a much better road to go down. So I'm always looking for opportunities to humble myself so that he doesn't have to humble me because um, that's not near as fun. Um, and, and so... And so we're, we're, we're uh, but, but that's, that's a narrowing that the Lord will bring upon you at times. But then there's often times where we have the opportunity to narrow ourselves. And, and this is kind of the description of it. I Man, I'm throwing off stuff. Like I'm throwing off the stuff that hinders. And so all this stuff that I had back, back here that, you know, was like, I, I, got, I got rid of some of this stuff, but, in, you know, maybe in this region where it's like, man, I don't want that anymore either. There, there's, a, there's a greater place of narrowness that, that, that the Lord is calling me to. And, and it's when we begin making those kind of choices that the, the passion for Jesus begins to be really real. Like this isn't just, and, and it begins to be things that, uh, that people aren't even seeing or knowing about. 
So you're, so you're no longer just the, the guy that's, you know, uh, you know, got his hands up, jumping up and down in the front, or the, or the girl jumping, what, I don't know, whatever they're doing. You know, like, it's not just that, where it's like, wow, that person's passionate. It, it is now like, man, this is in the unseen. This is, I'm throwing off things that, man, it's hard. And, and there are actually other believers beside me that I'm not judging, because it's not, again, it's, we're, not, we're not talking about, well, you wouldn't judge me if it was sin, but I'm just saying, like, they're, they're not throwing it off, but that, that's, maybe God hasn't called them to throw that off, or maybe that, whatever. And it's just, it's, it's unseen, and I, maybe I even feel alone in it. But he is worth it. But he is my passion. He is my aim. And so I wanna throw off, I wanna move to the narrow place. I wanna walk the way of the cross. And that's what we really wanna get to tonight. And, 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 um, and, and the way that we do that, walking the way of the cross, as we talk through actually a pretty difficult message tonight, um, is, is remembering what Hebrews 12, one, three, one through three, how it finishes here. It says, let us run the, the race mark for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. So this is kind of the instruction in it. And, and it sounds all nice and pretty, but the thing is, you will need to know how to do this if you are going to finish the race, if you're gonna walk the way of the cross. Uh, so we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. He was the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, okay? He endured it. The, the passage, just a little sneak peek we're about to get into, is a, about taking up your cross and following him, okay? So that's why we wanna keep our eyes fixed on him, because he's done it, right? He, he's, he's done it. Um, when, when he challenges us in the gospels, he hadn't actually yet done it. He knew that he was gonna do it, but nobody else knew that this was the way that it was gonna go. Um, but now the, the author of Hebrews is looking back and saying, he's done it. And for the joy set before him, he endured it. He scorned it shame. He sat down at the right hand of God. So consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Okay, so this, this looks maybe, okay, this is, this is nice and, and, and pretty, not really, but, but, the, but you know, like, it's, it's, it's one thing to have it on an image, but, but, but here it says, uh, it, it's, it's so that, consider him so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, meaning there will be plenty of opportunities in here to what? Grow weary and lose heart, <laughs> you know? There'll be plenty of opportunities for that to happen. And, and, and let me just throw in a couple of other things here in case I forget later. Okay, not only that, but we're gonna do this. There, are, there will be plenty of exit paths along the way. Maybe even as you get closer to that spot, they get even, get even wider, you know? There's these, there's these paths where... Um, it's like, man, am I, am I really gonna go there? Am, am I gonna really continue to follow this? And I'm not saying that all these paths are, are like, you know, you're, you're, you're totally going after the things of the world or anything, but like, just like, am I gonna go the, the full way? Because there, you know, maybe, maybe there, are, there, there are other, uh, there, there are people I mean, come on, you know, we, we live in a right, Christian nation, right? So we got churches all over the place. We got, we got people that call themselves Christian and there's all different levels and varying ways that people walk that out. And I would say to you that not everybody is passing through this way, which is the way of right, the, the cross, okay? Not everybody is going, going this direction. Um, that doesn't mean, it, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think, 
my point tonight is not to say that those people are not going to heaven. I'm not saying, and, and I'm not using this as an illustration of coming to salvation in Christ. I'm using this as like, who's gonna go all the way and say, God, refine me, have all of me. Um, and, and some of these, some of these pathways might even be, you know, God's like, hey, okay, I wasn't planning on saying all this, but like, but like where, where he invited, you are invited into this because there's nothing like it. It looks narrow and it looks difficult and there are things like that, but there is nothing like it. And when you hear testimonies of people that have walked through it and you hear their testimony like, man, I would never wanna have that experience. I would never wanna, like, I can't believe you went through that. How did you do that? And then at the end of their talk, they're like, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. You're like, what? Like, that's crazy. Like, you wouldn't, like, I would, give anything not to do that. Like, and yet they're here on the other side of it saying there is nothing like it. And so sometimes I think there's, God invites everybody, every believer to walk through that. But there are times where people choose not to. They choose not to and there's roads and God is gracious and he's, maybe try, hey, invites them back on it or he gives, you know, and we don't have to talk about all that. But I'm just saying there, there is a road that is the way of the cross that, uh, that, that, there is a passion in that that is developed that lasts a lifetime and, and that, that sets itself apart uh, from, you know, your everyday churchgoer, whatever you want to call that. I, I'm not, it's not a judgment against anybody. It's just like, who is going to carry a passion for Jesus in everything that they do because they believe that he is worthy of everything they have to give? And, and so that's what we're running after. That's what I, that's what I long for in my life. Um, and and I'm, I'm hoping that I don't take, and sometimes I do, you know, and I'm like, oh God, I wanna get back on it, you know, or whatever it, whatever it is. Um, but there will be opportunities to, uh, to, to veer, to exit. And, and we just wanna be a people say, man, we wanna stay. That's what Jesus is inviting us into. Let's look at that in Mark 8. All right, Mark 8. This is where we're supposed to be getting anyway. But as you're turning there, let me say one more thing. Let, let, me, give you, let me give you an example of, um, of such a thing, uh, uh, such a, 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 a moment in my own life, but a, a way that, that, that God would just continue to kind of beckon us into this kind of passionate pursuit of him. Uh, you guys are probably, or maybe some of you are, are, are familiar with, it's an older story now, but the Jim Elliott, I don't think, I think that's still a thing, right? People, do people know about that? I don't know. Jim Elliott, these guys were, these guys were as a team that went to, as missionaries down to Ecuador. It's been a while, I think it was back in the 50s. Um, and uh, they, they've done documentaries on them, different things, uh, Nate Saint, is still, his son goes and speaks and stuff, I think. So, um, so anyway, the, the, it's an incredible, incredible stories. Uh, and and in, in the end, they, you know, they give up their, their lives. Many of the, the, the men give up their lives. The, the women become widows, go back in, share the gospel, see transformation. It's an incredible story. My point is, I saw one of those documentaries. It was called like Tip of the Spear, End of the Spear, something like that. And that was, was like 20 years ago. So what was it? Gates of Splinter. So yeah, that's that. So there's the, that's the book, and there may be a um, yes. So um, I think there's there's been several. So so we um, so we were we we were watching that, and it was like a select theater kind of thing. And so we had to drive for a while. Went and watched it with a group of people. I'm driving back. We're newly married at that time, and I 
am losing it. Like, I cannot pull it together. We're, we're stopped on, on, the, on the side of the road. Actually, I don't, we, we weren't even married yet because I was, I was uh, anyway, I don't remember if we were or not. Maybe, anyway, it doesn't matter. So, uh, so I, but I was losing in the car and I was just like, um, I, I just kept saying over and over again, God, any, any time, any, anywhere, anything, it's me, like anytime, anywhere, anything, God, anytime, anywhere, anything, I just undone, that's like all I could say, I was so struck, of course, the Holy Spirit just bringing kind of this conviction and longing, because what I, what I saw in these guys, or what, what was being portrayed to me in, in like, in, in the, the film, was just this, uh, a passion for Jesus that was displayed in something that for me, I'd be like, man, I would hate to go there. Like that looks miserable. And the decisions they made and the opportunities they had here before going there. And, and I'm just like, but then the way it was portrayed is like, man, it was their greatest joy. It wasn't even like sacrifice. It was like their greatest joy to walk with Jesus into a place where the gospel had never been known and there was no greater pleasure than to walk with him through the narrowing of life because of a passion they had for him. And I was like, that's what I want. I, that, that's who I want to be. And so that's all I could say is like any, anytime, anywhere, anything, anybody, like just wherever, God. And, and it's, this, it's this consuming kind of passion that at times can look or feel radical, but he is the only one that deserves our everything in that way. And so that's just a moving, God moving us towards that. I might say for the next day that we, you know, we sold everything and we did this and that, but it, but it has caused this and other things and events in our lives as well um, have, have caused us to regularly or even consistently in our hearts to say, God, everything that we have is yours. Everything that we own, every, every plan that we have made uh, it is always on the table before you. It's for you to do with it what you will. Like, like always, everything. And there have been seasons in our life where we've had to say, hey, we've got to re-up on that. Where we have gotten comfortable or we have gotten casual in that or where we just feel like, man, what, we just kind of can narrow again. Like, what are we living for? Like really, in the, in the everyday, like I'm not just talking about like I'm a pastor, we do ministry, this and that. Like no, what are, we, what are we really living for? Let's get clear on that again and remind ourselves that everything is his. It's all his. And with everything that we have and with every moment of time, we want it to, it to honor him. And, and you know the thing I, I love about God is that um, though and while we do not do that perfectly, Though um, uh, we are still growing in our ability to do that moment by moment, I, I believe with all my heart that the Father heart of God sees and knows and loves that about us. I'm just gonna say it. I think he loves it about us. I, not because we're perfect at it, not because other people aren't doing it at a greater degree. I just love that God loves stuff about every single one of you. And, and, and I love that he loves stuff about me. That's often how he re reminds me. It makes me feel a little egotistical saying out loud, but I just love when he talks about things that he loves about me. I love it, and it encourages me. And I'm like, thank you, God. Like, and it gives me strength to keep going and, and to, to, to wanna do it even more because it pleases my father. I keep getting so distracted, but hopefully somebody's getting something out of it. All right, Mark 8. That was the, actually the very first thing on the first page of my notes, Mark 8, but we're, here we go. I don't, I don't, we're, gonna, we're gonna be all right. Okay, let me, just, let me just read it all the way through here. Mark 8, we're just reading uh, f four, four verses and we're just gonna, we're gonna 
go through them, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll finish up. So Mark 8, verses 34 through 38. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. All right, so like I said, it's gonna get a little little heavy tonight. I mean, this is just one of those passages of scripture where you realize, okay, Jesus is speaking here and, he, and he's speaking about what it looks like to be his disciple. And for the Christian, that is our aim, is to be a disciple of Jesus, one, one who sits under his teaching, one who replicates, sees what he does and, and replicates it in our own lives. We, we sit under him uh, as, a, as a disciple. And so this is what he has to say about it, recorded in uh, the, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, all record so very similarly these words of, of Jesus that begin with this statement, whoever wants to be my disciple... Uh, uh, the ESV says, whoever, uh, whoever comes after me, okay? So, so first of all, is, is that you? You don't have to raise your hand. Is that you? Okay, because if, if that's you, then, then you need to listen up. Like, I'm one who wants to, at least, come after him. Whoever comes after me, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Okay, and, and literally speaking, it's, it's just, it's very, it's a little more repetitive, but it's whoever wants to follow me must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That, that's really all it's saying. So, but, but, but th there is a, a statement here about if you want to be my disciple, if you are planning to come after me, here's what you must do. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and, and follow me. And, and so the, these things are, Challenging, right? It, it, it is challenging to think about um, the the cross. We just read a little bit about it, uh, but but I, but I want us to think of a few things. So in Hebrews twelve, uh, we saw that that when Jesus went to the cross, he faced great opposition. So so w when you take up your cross, just just to think about that a little bit. What what does that mean? Um, since most of us won't physically carry a cross in this way, what, what, did, what did the cross represent? And even here, Jesus is saying it before he actually took up the cross, so it already has meaning in people's minds before it's actually Jesus is the one that carries the cross. This has some kind of meaning because it was, you know, it was a, a very gruesome uh, way of, of, of capital punishment in, in this Roman era. And so, so you have this, this cross where in Hebrews 12, we say, okay, he, he, uh, he was opposed by by sinful men taken to the cross, and, and but he resisted its shame. Okay, so we got we got opposition. When you think about the cross, taking up your own cross, you have to face opposition. There will be people that oppose you taking up the cross of Christ. So taking up the cross in its very nature uh, is that there is opposition. It is it is capital punishment. You're, the, Jesus was being accu accused of a crime. 
Um, and, and so there's opposition. There is, there is shame. There is ridicule. Uh, you, are, you, are, uh, you are stripped. You are beaten. You are hung in front of a, a, a group of people, and they are watching you die. It is, the, the cross is shame, and, and it says that Jesus scorned its shame. So it, there is shame when it comes to, to taking up your cross. There is uh, obviously suffering. There, there, is a, there is a suffering to the cross, the cross is, you know, a pretty thing to hang on our necks and put on our walls, but it is actually, you know, it's, it's not, it, it, for, that would be very weird if you would have done that then, okay? You would, have, you would have been thought to have been sadistic if you were wearing a cross around in this day and era, right? Like, what, whoa, it's like, you know, what, what, what are you wearing that for? What do you got that on your wall? Uh, and and so, so, so for us, obviously, it's taken on and it's a very significant meaning because of the work of Christ on the cross and what it's done in our lives. But thinking about it in that way, in this way, how these readers would have taken it, this cross, it's, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a capital punishment tool. That's, that's what it is. And, and so it's, it's identified with suffering and ultimately with death. Okay, so, so not a real pick-me-up picture about being a disciple of Christ. Take up your cross. You know, take up opposition. Take up, you know, a, a shame, a suffering, and, and even death. Um, that's what it looks like. And, and so to do that, it's, it's then we've got to deny ourselves, of course, right? Because these are not the things. Um, let, me just, let me just write them up here real quick. I'll just write them. Um, so if you've got kind of an, an opposition, I don't know if anybody can even see these things. Opposition, you've got shame, you've got suffering, and you've got death, okay? So um, why do you then do you think you may need to deny self? Okay, I, let me tell you. Because self doesn't want any of those things, right? Our, our self doesn't want any of those things. So if you're gonna take up the cross, it is a necessity to deny self, to learn how to deny self. And, and uh, we won't get into this too much, but, but specifically when we're, we're talking about denying self or when Jesus is talking about denying self, uh, we're talking about you know, even the picture of baptism, the, the old self, you know, the new has come. The new creature has come. And so there is a self uh, that, that is a new creature that is actually the one that puts to death or denies the old self, okay? It's just for a little clarity there. So there, there is a, a dying to, a denying of self because self doesn't like these things. Self doesn't like the cross, okay? And so we deny self and, and we take up the cross. So then after this kind of, uh, this kind of statement that Jesus makes, that if you wanna be my disciple, this is what you do. You take up your, your cross and you, you deny yourself and you follow in my footsteps, okay? And so this is, this is the, the way of the cross. And he, he doesn't just say, so just do it. He actually says, and let me, let me give you some explanations, some instructions, some motivations on why we do this, why it's important, okay? And so the, the first one is this, verse 35. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it, okay? So, so saving your life equals losing your life. Losing your life equals saving your life, okay? And, and so th th why, wh what does that mean? Wh why does it mean that, okay? Because th this, is what, this is what saving your life looks like, okay? 
Can we read red? Is red legible? Okay. All right. So, so this is what this is this is kind of what saving life looks like, and this is why if you save your life, you actually lose your life. Is because when you when you try to save your life, you're trying to avoid these things. I don't want opposition. I want, I want acceptance. I, I want approval. That's that's what I want. And so I've got to lose my life because what my life wants, what, what, I, what I want, again, what self wants is, is not opposition, but acceptance and approval. So I've got to not try to save my life by, by being accepted or by being approved. I actually got to lose my life and, and be okay with opposition um, so, so that I, I might actually save my life, okay? And so, so also, it doesn't want shame. It wants glory. It wants honor. That, that's, that's, what, that's what we think, like, well, if I'm gonna protect my life, I'm gonna save my life, that, that's what I want. I don't want shame. I want glory and honor, okay? And, and then you can kind of keep taking that out. Um, you don't want suffering, what do you want? You want comfort. I want ease, and that's what I want, is this be easy, come on. But no, that's not the way of the cross. Like, th- th- this is where we deny self, we... We don't try to save our life. We actually try to lose our life. And then, you know, uh, for, for death, let's just put safety here, just where we're, where there, maybe we allow fear of death and just the safety and like, well, we can't do that or, or, or an, a, an overabundance of caution or whatever it might be that would keep us from, from walking the way of, of the cross. And so, um, so, so we're, you know, we're kind of longing uh, to, 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 to save our life. That's kind of this natural inclination of the flesh. But actually it says, but whoever loses their life, they're the ones that save it. But, but there's, there's a little phrase here that's pretty important. It's, it's, but whoever loses their life, not just because it's arbitrary, not because, man, well, yeah, I'd rather have shame than, than glory and honor. Yeah, I'd rather have opposition. No, it's whoever loses their life. Why? For my sake or the gospel. So again, is he the center of everything? Because he, if he's not, this is gonna be a very hard decision for you, right? If he's not, we're gonna be leaning heavily over this way. But if he is, is the, the passion pursuit of your life, then you will be saying, I, I wanna choose to honor him out of, out of love for him, out of love for the gospel. Man, I wanna, I wanna go down this road and not, not this road. Even though you walk anybody in this room and says, what do you want? They're, you know, they don't know the context of what we're talking about. It's like, I'll take the red side, please, right? That's where we would wanna go, but for the sake of him and the gospel, it looks different being a disciple of, of Jesus. Um, it, it goes on and, and says in, in verse 36, um, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What good is it to, to, for, for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? So anytime you see kind of a rhetorical question like this, the author expects you to have the answer to that question. And so one way to, to really dig into to the verse here is say, okay, well, what is the, the, uh, the given answer to this question? What, what is the answer? The, the author already knows the answer. So, so, so turning it around from a question into a statement uh, you know, would, would, be, would be something like this. There is no profit in all the world has to offer. There is, there, there is no profit in gaining all the money, honor, approval, comfort, safety, ease, glory that the world has to offer. There is no profit in all the glory, 
all the honor, all the riches, all the approval, all the acceptance. Some of these things are things we're, we're, we're clamoring for from the world around us, right? But it, he's saying like, there's no profit to any of those things. That's the answer to that rhetorical question. And when you turn it around like that, it's like, ooh, wow. It's one thing to hear it in a question and be like, yeah, there's no profit. But to actually turn it around into a statement and for me to declare there is no profit in any of these things, anything that the world has to offer. And I think the challenge there is, can we really say that? Or, or, or maybe the, the challenge and the graciousness of Jesus is like, Jesus, show me in the areas where, man, I, I try to say that, but, but that's not a reality. Or that, that there's things that I'm pursuing or ways that I have uh, given myself to things or prioritized things that don't reflect that in my life. I want that to be a truth that I can state uh, with, with a, with a um with a uh, conviction um, because it's what, he's, it's, it's what he's calling us to in discipleship, that there is, there's nothing, uh, there's no profit in anything that this world has to offer. So we're just like, oh, okay, take us down this road, squeeze us, God, because I feel like there's profit in some of these things. And, and listen, in all, in all of these things, we, we don't take it legalistically like, man, I can never go to P.F. Ching's because I love P.F. Ching's. You know, like, it's, we're, not, we're not saying like that, 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 that didn't profit my, you know, my stomach or like whatever. Like, I don't know, my taste buds. Like, we're not, we're not saying that. There, he is a good father. So we're not, we're not going to that legalistic stance where we're just like, whatever. But no, it's just out of this heart of love for him. And then also being able to receive his love and grace towards us. Uh, and, and, and yeah, okay, just had to make that little caveat. So, so we're, we're nothing, uh, nothing profits us in, in that way. So, so uh, uh, verse 37 then, we, we have a, another question. What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What can any, for, for what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So again, turning into a statement, there is nothing that a man can give in exchange for his soul. We, we, we learn that in the sense of even like, like when we read story of the rich man and Lazarus out of Luke 16, where it's like, hey, can, uh, can you send him back? Or can we go, what can, can you go to? No, there's, there's nothing you can exchange for your soul. Once it's done, it, it's, it's done. There, there's not an exchange at that point. It, it, there, there is, there's no exchange uh, for, for, uh, for uh, your, your soul. There, there, is no, there is no place, there's no, they're, they're, that whoever saves his life will lose it. They will forfeit their soul. So, so that's where it kind of gets really dramatic as, we, as we're going through the passage of scripture. I was gonna point on, I don't know if anybody can even see that. But, but uh, where, where you're going through, we're like, okay, he, he, uh, he will lose his life. Well, what are they actually saying there? It's saying man, you, in verse 36, yet forfeit their soul. So what can you give in exchange? Nothing. There's nothing you can give in exchange for your soul. Verse 38, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So what does it mean to be ashamed of him? You know, when, you, when you're ashamed of, of someone or something, you don't wanna be identified with that person or that thing. You don't wanna be identified with their, their words or what they stood for. And so when there, there, there's, there's shame around uh, the, the person of Jesus, what, what he says, if, if you're ashamed of me, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of you when he comes in his Father's glory. And so it, it goes on to, to reemphasize this point that 
you will forfeit your soul, that there is a way of, of following Jesus. Um, and, and, and he says kind of here, what, what we read is what's worse is that you are, you're, you're ashamed. Um, and so what you're, and so you're ashamed because you long for the approval of adulterous and sinful people. You know, that, that, that's really what it comes, when, when we feel that shame, it's because we actually want the, the approval and the acceptance of what Jesus describes as an adulterous and sinful generation from an adulterous world. That's where, where, where we want approval from them more than we want, uh, you know, or the, the, the approval of Christ, where, where we want to please the, the world around us, these adulterous and sinful people, more so than we want to, to honor the living Christ. And so if you miss out, if you, if you gain all that the world has to offer, but miss out on the glory of the Father displayed in the coming of Christ, then all is for naught. There really is only one thing that, that, we, that we wanna live for. It's for the person of Jesus. It's, it's giving ourselves to, to a discipleship, uh, being a disciple of his. Because when we come and we experience like a shame or, a, or a, you know, these, these places of hesitation, it's, it's preferring this approval more than you approve, uh, prefer the friendship and approval and affirmation of Jesus, which results, what it says is in the, the final rejection of Jesus. That I will not then I will be ashamed of you when my Father comes with his glory. And that's a heavy statement. And so I just, just to conclude, to, to walk it back up. So if, if that's the final conclusion from being ashamed of him, then we walk it back up. Therefore, in verse 37, there is absolutely no amount of approval in this world that can be accepted as payment to buy your, your soul out of hell. There's no amount of approval. There, there's nothing you can give for your exchange. Therefore, if that's true, then, then there is no profit at all in gaining the whole world because it not, cannot prevent the loss of your soul. Therefore, verse 35, uh, if all your effort to save your soul, by, if, you, if all your effort is to save your soul by pursuing human approval and honor and comfort and safety, it will only result in losing your soul. While on the other hand, accepting the cross because you love Jesus will save your soul forever. Therefore, verse 34, run after him. Take up your cross, deny yourself and follow him. Because what else will profit your soul? Because everything and everything else you will lose your life because he is the only one worthy of honor. Because standing in the glory of the Father is, is, is what, we, what we live for, is what we long for our, our, our eternity to be. And so if that's true, run after him. Go, go with all your heart after him throughout all the, the, the course of your life for as long as you might live. Let there be a pursuit, a passionate pursuit of him. Saying, no, I will not be sidelined. No, I, I will not take the, you know, an easier road. I, I want all that he has to offer.
I want all that he has. Listen, there, there will be times, and maybe some of these paths, are, are there, there are people that get jaded by this thing or that thing. Sometimes it's the things of the world. Sometimes it is the things within the church. Like, man, I don't like how these people act. Or I, you know, I'm getting off on some kind of theological sidetrack or whatever it is. And it just kind of, and they get jaded about the church or this or that. And, and you know, those things are going to happen. And you're going to have opinions and different things like that. All through it. You've got to keep Jesus at the center. He is the one that keeps it on the rails from us getting, getting off on this or that. And just in, so that in the end, we stand before him and we say, Jesus, I lay my crown before you and, and I offer it to you with, with the, the heart of a child that just longed to please you, longed to honor the Father. And so that's what we give to him. And there is a process in that. And, and part of that process is tonight. Part of that process for those of you going this weekend will be this weekend where there's just opportunities to come and to lay low, where there's opportunities to come and to, to throw off the sin that so easily entangles. And, and then, you know what this path does? You know, it, there's, there's, there is spacious places in God. You can, you've, especially when you've learned to live the narrow life, where you're not, you're not going back, and it's a, it's a different spaciousness than it. This is the spaciousness of the kingdom, where you've learned the cross-focused life, where there's a passion for Jesus. The things that used to shine and glitter, we're not talking about those things. There's new things that shine and glitter in the kingdom of God that make everything else pale in comparison. And there's this life of freedom and joy and pleasures that are found at his right hand. There are adventures in the kingdom of God that make every adventure in any movie or storybook that you've ever read just like be like, wow, that seems boring. That there, there's this adventure in God and, and that's why it's a passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth because that's what's on his heart and that's what we were made to live in but it stays in this place of us just saying God we're here we are and so that's our, that's our place of response today is God th though there will be opportunities for me to get off there, I just let me today let me throw off what needs to be thrown off let me come to you again and have, you know, whatever that kind of car moment that I had. It's just like, God, everything I have is yours. Every, every plan that I have for myself, I, I relinquish it to you. Every, every dream, it's yours. I want to dream your dream. You know, just giving it before him again. And I hope tonight that there would be a cry coming up in many of you that's just like, let me, let me, let this passion remain and increase all the days of my life, that he might be honored and glorified, that I might not find myself at the end of my life or any point there along where it is not clearly evidenced that he is the passion of my life. Lord, do that in our hearts. Captivate our hearts. We might see you for who you are. Let us not take lightly the call to be your disciple. I don't think that you did. Let us not be casual about it. Let us not be apathetic about it in any way. I pray for the 
those in this room, every single one of us in, in our struggle against sin, I pray that it would be thrown off. I pray for breakthroughs tonight. I pray for new places of freedom, wholeness, and holiness. Where we come and we offer ourselves to you as instruments of righteousness. And then you pick us up off as that puddle on the floor and you just pick us up and you say, now come and run with me. And we're saying, yes, Lord, and we wanna throw off anything that entangles, not just that sin, but anything and everything because you're the sinner. So Lord, just give us a heart of passion tonight. Let's invite you to stand with me. And man, just a regular part of who we want to be is a people that respond to him. Not just are hearers of the word, but are hearers and doers of the word. That there's something that we do in a place of response to him, a place of commitment, a place of givenness, a, a place of a con a conviction, a sorrow over sin, a place of longing where we're just confessing things to the Lord, where we're, we're declaring things in our heart, where, uh, where, where he is being honored and glorified and what we're allowing the, the word of God and the spirit of God to do in us in this moment. And so the front is just open up. And you know, you can respond in a number of different ways. We love opening up the front because sometimes there's just something about getting out of your seat. And as I said on Sunday, we're gonna be saying it throughout this entire revival series, but it's like, this is an altar. Many churches, older churches have an altar that sits right up here in the front. So you can just come and you bring yourself as a, as a living sacrifice. And so I just wanna invite you to do that right now in whatever place that God is stirring in you, like this is who I wanna be. This is the longing of my heart. And you're not making a statement of where you are on the journey. You're just saying, God, take me to the next place. I wanna go there. I wanna keep this passion. I wanna walk this out. So it's a place of givenness to him tonight so that we might truly declare that we are a people with a passion for him that runs deep that is being fortified and formed in significant ways around the Word of God and the Spirit of God and centrally around the person and work of Jesus Christ. So be honored and glorified, we pray tonight, in the way that we respond wholeheartedly to you.